Hello and welcome to the wild wormhole where much like the card, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, you're probably wondering, what is this episode that just landed in my podcast feed? I don't subscribe to this podcast. What in the world? That's right. Wild wormhole here with another podcast. This is D House with Jim, the old J Bray back again. What's going on, guys? We're here, Jim. We did it. We recorded we did another it. podcast. Dark Tidings made it into America. We're recording. We're playing games. Ah, back to the good stuff. I'm only doing this because Sky Jedi tweeted that the loser of the the game between me and Zach Armstrong had to record a podcast. So here I am. I mean, yeah, like at least you follow through on your word there. That was cool. Um, We'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast, but podcast episode. We're not. We don't have to. It's fine. (laughs) No, no, no. We got to go through... uh, (laughs) Play-by-play of all of that match. Speaking of which, um, the SS Wormhole is off on their uh, maiden voyage. The FFD likes to call it something like the SLRSXYZXLMNOP Australis. But it's just the SS Wormhole. We all know. We all know its real name. We found an evil twin... From Call of Discovery, uh, the one only Ed. Uh, now we we did we we did uh, fully admit to kidnapping him because why not? Just sounds like fun, like like playing a wild wormhole with a key hammer in your deck. Like why not roll the dice, see what happens? Sure, kidnapping a wild wormhole is practically the same thing. The, that's right. So we took him on board and we uh, held him for a while. But I'm 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 not I'm not sure if we had the real Ed or the evil twin Ed. Um, uh, but he did, uh, infiltrate our ranks and, uh, I, I think it, the Intel he collected while he was with us was a deciding factor in my, uh, match with Zach Armstrong in the ABR league. Um, just publicly, I do want to put an asterisk on that, on Zach's win. I I'm pretty sure they cheated somehow. I mean, yeah, that's the only outcome that's possible here at this point. I mean, we clearly saw the games take place. Um, it was, you know, an adaptive best of three. We got to game three, and then all of a sudden, Zach was just playing like a superstar. Um, so, you know, I, maybe he's good at Key Forge. Maybe there was some infiltration going on. Uh, I think that's now, just for the listeners to. For the record, we we do have a house rule here on this podcast that uh, first player in any match to play a wild wormhole automatically wins. I think we've all agreed that's that's a good rule that we want to implement in all future Keyforge games. And in game three, I did play Wild Wormhole before Zach, meaning legally uh, in Keyforge land, I did earn the win, but somehow TCL awarded him the win later on. I I, I don't understand. Must be a bug. Um, I, that's what I was going to say too. Yeah, I think it's just a bug in the programming. Yeah, so. obviously. obviously. All jokes aside, though, it was a fantastic match. Huge shout out to Zach for uh, pulling out the victory there. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, great job, Zach. Really proud of you. <laughs> uh, you can go watch it on YouTube uh, if you guys want to see. Uh, see, although you know the outcome already. Um, Oops. There you go. But I will say it was an adaptive match, and I don't. I don't really enjoy adaptive in general. Like I never play it. Um, and Zach had played like 150 games with his deck, which I've never played 150 games with like my top three decks. So, <laughs> I got to hand it to him. He put in the work. 
Yeah, you're doomed from the start. And that, that is definitely the beauty of adaptive is just, you know, you know your deck so well that um, really the only work you're having to do in the match is figuring it out. What is its strength level compared to the other deck? It's not, you know, focused on both sides of it. So, yeah, if you can put in the work and time, clearly it shows that, you know, you can definitely have a big advantage going into it. Yeah, and I played one of my old Coda Rush decks. Um, it's like a 74, 75 SAS. Uh, ton of fun. We it, it won all the matches, all the games. Um, which I tend to see, like, most adaptive full matches going. Like, it's just clear, like, on game three. Like, it's sort of like the first few games don't matter. So that's why I feel like I like short adaptive better because it's sort of like... Hey, look at the deck. See what you got. I I don't know. I I I I question the full three match, three game adaptive format. But maybe that's a conversation for a future podcast we record in 2024. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely have some thoughts there. I think they are two completely separate just ideas for matchups too. Just yeah. I think you have a really good ability to evaluate a de- deck very quickly. Where the best of three allow somebody to you know take that time to figure it out so i feel like you almost lose your advantage of uh yeah just figuring out like deck strength and everything right off the bat yeah so well and again sometimes i'm like why did we play these first two games like we both knew the outcome i once played an adaptive match with uh uh Ugluck or Ugluck. uh he, he's known very well in the keyforge community i don't know how exactly how to say his name but he's done very well in keyforge Premier League and everything and we played an adaptive match i think in a Sanctum, Sanctimonious League, I can't remember, but um, it was one of those where, like, we did, it was sealed, and, like, one of the decks was, like, a 54 uh, <laughs> sass, and the other one was, like, an 80 or something, so, like, we just wasted our time playing two games, and they went to game three, and I think I bit them to 18 chains, I think. Wow. Um, and I did sneak away with the win. I, I told him, I was like, you probably, I, I basically determined at, the, at that third game, I was like, I'm just going to outbid him no matter what he bets me to so i'm like he probably could have got me up to in the 20s but um uh i don't know it's just stuff like that i don't it's wild but <laughs> in, in the game with zach I, I bid up to 12 chains uh and i talked to him later he said he probably would have gone to 15 or 16 before blinking an eye so i was like oh maybe maybe i should i don't know but alas here we are here we are Sweet. Well, speaking of here it is, Dark Tidings. Uh, we haven't been able to talk too much about Dark Tidings yet. I know uh, it's here in America. It's uh, available, I think, most of the world. I think there's still a couple areas that haven't quite gotten it yet. Um, but we've finally been able to, you know, see the set, open up some decks, which has been super fun, kind of getting to do that with some friends and play some new games. Um, so I actually want to talk a little bit about um, just some first impressions of Dark Tidings and maybe some of uh, your favorite cards or houses. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, for, first kind of bullet point we put here was just your your favorite uh, multi card combo. Um, did you have any uh, like combos or anything like that from this set that you're just like really excited about or uh, just really get you, you going? Jim, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh oh, may have to do some some editing later on. I think we lost Jim. Testing, testing. Hello. Well, 
Hold on, people. We'll bring it back. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, that's so bizarre. I couldn't hear you at all there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so Jim, tell me about your multiple multi-card combo that you like. And then you're like, so David, is there any multi-card combo you like? <laughs> it was just like this really awkward silence for a while. And I was like, uh. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, sorry for the interruption, but we fall into a wormhole uh, that uh, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Zach and Ed planted on our own wormhole ship somehow. So here we go. Uh, all right. <laughs> Favorite multi-card combo. Jim, what's yours? All right. So for Dark Tidings, I think pretty much all of the houses except Shadows has just these crazy... Um, like combos that will show up in your deck. So similar to like uh, how time travel would always come with the card to pull it out. Um, yeah, this one just has lots of new, um, just different combos that I thought were really cool and interesting and really just kind of makes the game just a totally different game. Um, so the one I wanted to talk about was uh, the combo from Logos. And that is Sweet Little Dr. Varactor. Um, and he is a four card combo. Which, again, since you only get 12 cards in a house, the fact that four of those cards are for this combo going on, I mean, it's almost like your whole house just takes on that identity, which is pretty cool. Um, but I just thought it was such a fun flavor. So Dr. Varactor, um, he's a creature, human scientist with elusive that says, Reap, put an upgrade or action card from your discard pile on top of your deck. And just even to start out, I was like, okay, like that seems all right. You know, you get to do some recursion, no big deal. Um, but then as you look through the rest of the combo, I'll just go through the rest very quickly. Um, so it talks about an upgrade or an action card from discard pile. Well, another part of this um, this piece here is an upgrade called Reckless Experimentation. So this is one that you could pull up with Dr. Varactor. So it's upgrade, Amber Pip. It says this creature gains Reap, play the top card of your deck. It's like, okay, that's awesome. Wow, a wormhole. Who doesn't love that, you know? Obviously obviously so i was like okay keep it coming what else do you got and they're like hmm what about this uh rooftop laboratory that comes with it it's an artifact and it says each friendly scientist creature enters play ready well that's pretty cool um so dr varactor now can come in ready it can reap and get the card um from your discard pile to the top of the deck and if you already have the reckless experimentation on dr varactor it'll play that card and it's like oh my gosh this gets crazy uh, but then there's one final piece of this that is just absolutely insane. And that's Groundbreaking Discovery, which is an action. You get an Amber Pip, and it says, if you control Dr. Varactor, Rooftop Laboratory, and Reckless Experimentation, um, so that's the creature, the artifact, and the upgrade, uh, you destroy each card in play, unforge an opponent's key, and then purge Groundbreaking Discovery. So I just think it's such fun flavor for this, you know, mad scientist to work up this crazy contraption. And then when he finally gets it all together, it just destroys everything, including an opponent's key, um, which, you know, that's happened before, but it's always been give them six amber. So it's almost just like a delayed key. It's like typically. the old uh, wild wormhole into the key hammer. You just give them six Absolutely. amber. Absolutely. It's genuinely the best combo of all time. <laughs> give your opponent six amber, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a hilarious combo that actually is pretty strong with logos being able to archive quite a bit and cycle through your deck pretty fast. Um, I actually do have one deck with this combo in it and it hits pretty, pretty frequently. 
Um, so just to make your opponent have to forge four keys instead of three in a game, uh, it's really powerful. So that's definitely my favorite. Um, what are some of the ones you found that you're really enjoying? Yeah, so I, this one is uh, actually you introduced it to me in a game, and I feel like it's starting to get more public, I guess, or people are aware, but the shoulder id static charge combo. Yes. Um, so shoulder id, just making good radio here, uh, reads, uh, uh, he's six power, shadows, creature, taunt, shoulder id cannot fight. When shoulder id would deal damage, steal one instead. And that language, when shoulder id would deal damage, is important because then static charge is a uh, logos upgrade. It gives you a pip when you play it, and uh, you play it on a creature. Says this creature gains at the start of your turn, deal two to each of this creature's neighbors. So the shoulder id is the one dealing the damage. Therefore, if you put it on your own shoulder id. Uh, uh, you can essentially steal twice from your opponent at the start of each turn, as long as he has you know guys to steal from. Um, which is pretty gross. So be careful <laughs> about playing stag charge on your opponent's shoulder hits, because you'll immediately regret that. <laughs> um, Real quick with that, since the shoulder it is dealing the damage at the same time, it actually only steals one per static charge that you have. But if you have multiple static oh, charges, okay. It'll trigger like that. Okay. But yeah, I thought it did twice, so that's good to know. <laughs> but it's definitely a sick combo. I remember when Mass Mutations came out and I saw like a damage pip on shoulder it. I was like, would this work? And it doesn't. It's uh just an additional damage, not shoulder it dealing that bonus damage. Yeah. Would this actually yeah. grant shoulder it the ability to deal damage so the stealing works? Yeah. I love that. It's such a good combo. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's super solid. Um, but the, the one I've actually been enjoying the most, it's not like an obvious combo, uh, per se, but it's, um, it's in unfathomable, our new little, uh, fish house. And it's some combination of maelstrom, abandoned ship and brain drain. Um, so one of my better, uh, dark Titans decks has th three brain drains and a maelstrom and maelstrom is an action that says play. Put each creature on top of its owner's deck in a random order. Gain two chains. Um, so this is pretty nasty uh, because you're not only getting uh, rid of creatures, but you're slowing down their efficiency. So when they're drawing up, they're just drawing back into these creatures. And it's just like crazy. Jim, uh, you hate this card. You think it should never have been printed. Uh, you've made that very abundantly clear, but you're wrong. I think I might have said, this card is dumb, this game is dumb, I'm never playing it again after yes. you did this to me. <laughs> so, um, so a couple of other things. So with the triple Brain Drain deck, I love that I can go into... Oh, sorry. Brain Drain is an action unfathomable. It gives you a pip when you play it. It says play, look at your opponent's hand, choose a card from it, and put it on top of their deck. So you can play Brain Drain, take their best card out of their hand maybe that's their too much to protect or their ronnie wrist clocks or their martian generosity or whatever put it on top of their deck follow it up with the maelstrom in the same house and then basically you cover that good card with a bunch of creatures um and so uh you kind of know it, it you have a lot of this hand knowledge and you know how many turns you have you can burst up you can whatever you you know what you need to do so i just i love uh, that you kind of get to manipulate that a little bit. And then I also discovered this abandoned ship 
which is uh, a great action, similar in nature's call. Um, it's a get, get a pip when you play it, but it says return a creature to its owner's hand. If the tide is high, return four creatures to their owner's hand instead. Um, so obviously one of the negatives about playing Maelstrom is you put all of your creatures onto the top of your deck as well. So you're kind of clogging up your, your future turns. But if you can play an abandoned ship first and take all your unfathomables, I mean, you could take other creatures too in your hand. Uh, but if you can have a bunch of unfathomable creatures out there, you can pull them back to your hand, play the Maelstrom, you know, your other creatures will go there, but then you can drop all your unfathomable guys again after you just reaped or fought or whatever. And, uh, and just get great value. So it was just interesting combinations with the Maelstrom to really like just put your opponent on tilt, like if you're playing against Jim. So <laughs> a lot of fun. Definitely. Yeah, I love the action cards, I think, more than the creatures and Unfathomable. And those in particular, I mean, just can get so nasty, especially like like you said, with Brain Drain, you know, getting that perfect answer back into their uh, hate or a draw pile. But then the Maelstrom to, like, really bury that down in there, like, so nasty. So I, uh, you mentioned about the combo, sir. I do have a uh, Dark Discovery deck that uh, I really – I have enjoyed that. The uh, If you can name the top or the bottom two cards of their deck, you get the free key. And uh, I've only played four games with it, but three out of four games I was able to pull that off and get the free key. Um, and it, it was just super fun. Um, so I've been enjoying this, this new house and, uh, I feel like it's pretty balanced with the other houses, but, um, uh, yeah, it's just fun. I like it. I don't, yeah, so I don't enjoy my unfathomable deck that has two, not one, but two of the Tawiki Krakens, <laughs> two <laughs> that says plague. For a card that has such cool card art to be <sighs> that bad is just mind blowing to me. It's of just like, it's so dumb. It, I want it to be good, and it just is not. Yeah. Um, I think when I first saw it, I, I kind of compared Unfathomable to Dis for a lot of their disruption. And I was like, oh, well, Dis likes it when you kill your own creature, so maybe Unfathomable will too. And it's like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. So it's a 12-power creature that has a play effect. Exhaust two friendly Unfathomable creatures. If you do not, destroy to Wiki Kraken. So not only do you have to already have two Unfathomable creatures out, but they have to be ready and then by playing this, you destroy them too. And then he's got a fight reef effect deal two to a creature with a two splash. Like that's that's good. I mean it's not it's not bad, but it's like, okay, at least like the uh Khalifi Dragon was like, you know, you're gaining extra amber, you're doing all this stuff, but it oh. The the only redeeming factor about this deck, I told you this, when uh the Crucible Tracker was active, they have those uh the the leaderboards as far as like who's played this card the most times and it was stupid and it didn't matter but i loved it uh to give me something to grind for and i'm like oh a deck with two to weak krakens like i could easily be number one because uh, you can still play it and then it, because if you don't have the effect you just destroy it and so i just started playing these guys like crazy and then like the next day the the tracker uh was uh no more um <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was a little sad uh but here we are i'm i'm picturing you going around telling everyone like i'm the best in keyforge but then just like leaving it at that and not using the caveat of i'm the best in keyforge at playing tawiki kraken i am the best <laughs> tawiki kraken player in the world that's what i would tell everybody it would it would, it would go on all my email signatures and my <laughs> you know <sighs> so anyways 
So we need these leaderboards back. We need, yeah, we. I need. I need the leader. I need something stupid to grind for when I don't really care about playing competitively. So, uh, <laughs> so people out there, I, and I'm really grateful for all of Grant's work. Grant did a phenomenal job creating that, uh, and he open sourced it. I know uh, TCO took on a little bit of like the old data, but there you can't create new data. So, all right, Sky Jedi, you made me podcast. So now you called me out publicly on Twitter to record this podcast. So now I am publicly like begging you, please. I'll send, I'll send all of the, the help I can. Uh, I'll send Jim. You can have, you can have Jim for a week. All of the help, Jim. Uh, he will help you. Probably not in the coding, but he can give you lots of um, happy, happy encouragement. So I'm a great motivator. Go. Provide good coffee. That's what I'm bringing to the table here. There you go. There you go. Um, so, uh, so yeah, anyways, wow. We just took a detour, but <laughs> okay. Okay. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, I think the other thing with dark tidings that I think you and I both got excited about is as we were going through the like spoilers when that was happening, um, really just kind of like looking at the different houses and kind of like what their identity was going to be, um, with this set. So we can kind of go kind of quick on this one. We can do some honorable mentions as well, just to kind of what are favorite houses of dark tidings and kind of what are some of the key cards that kind of really give it that identity um so if you wanted to get started i know you have one that you're really excited about sorry my son just walked in uh he's supposed to be in bed and announced that he needs to go pee so um i'm a little distracted at the moment <laughs> all good i'll uh i'll tackle it for a little bit yeah, micah you <laughs> you're a rock star um so i know for me my favorite house so far this set has got to be star alliance i think um anytime i have a card game that is just go fast and kind of do as many things as you can um it may not be the best thing but it's the most things um similar to david's you know ideal scenario of playing the most tawiki krakens um so yeah i just kind of wanted to monologue a little bit about star alliance my love for this set and uh just some of the cards mostly common and then a couple uncommon honorable mentions as well that kind of really give it their house identity. Uh, so the first card I want to talk about is good old Rocketeer uh, Triska. And this is a card when I first saw it, I was like, eh, it seems okay, but probably underwhelming. Um, and it's a four-power creature that says, while the tide is high, Rocketeer Triska's neighbors enter play ready. And at first, I think I compared it to like Silvertooth, as far as like a card that just kind of comes in ready, reap with it if you want, fight with it for two power, but that's probably about all of it's doing. Um, but I was so incredibly wrong about this card in particular. Um, so the, obviously the best thing for it is, you know, if you have a super powerful Starlands card, you can play it that turn next to it and just go ahead and use it. Um, but also you can do a lot of fun setup for future houses. So one of my favorites is like a Hobnobber, which is a Shadows card that says uh, if your opponent has six or more Amber, you can use it to steal two amber. So if you have Rocketeer Triska out and they're, you know, on check about to forge a key, you can kind of pull off a very cheeky little steal two amber to get them back below check. So it just it's a very flexible card that A can speed up what you're doing with Star Alliance, but even more so can do that house cheating um, in future turns. So it's very easy to kind of almost forget that it has that ability until it's too late. So that's the first one I want to talk about. The next one which kind of has a similar feel to it, is going to be Diplomat Agung, or Agung. Um, and he is a two-power alien Crixix 
who says, play, fight, reap. Uh, for the remainder of the turn, a friendly creature belongs to the house of your choice in addition to its other houses. Um, so again, this is another uh, potential just like house manipulation or house cheating um, idea of a card. So if you already have a creature out there, you play Diplomat Agung, you pick that creature, and you just call Star Alliance, and you'd get to use that creature out of turn. Um, but there's also some really cool uh, features with this card that kind of combos with the rest of Star Alliance. Um, so Star Alliance in general gives a lot of cards that benefit you for having more houses in play from both sides. So you could call Mars if you wanted to, and all of a sudden, now Mars is in the game. Um, another great combo piece with this is you can call a house that your opponent has creatures for and then play a card called uh, Grand Alliance Council. And that's just a nasty board clear that Star Alliance has also in the common slot. Um, and this card, I don't have the card text up, but essentially what it does is it kills everything except one creature of each house. So if your opponent has, you know, six Sanctum creatures out, you play Diplomatic Gung, you call Sanctum for one of your own creatures, and when you play Grand Alliance Council, you know, that Sanctum creature stays alive, all of their Sanctum creatures die. Um, so it's a really cool opportunity to do a full board clear of your opponent's stuff or most of it with they only get to keep like their worst creature. Um, and so, yeah, Diplomatic Gung just has a lot of cool flexibilities to um, just really kind of do that house manipulation and kind of get everything going there. And then the last common card I want to talk about um, is another action card. It's called Unity or Discord. Um, so I know a lot of people who've been playing this set knows this card well and kind of its power level, especially when they start playing Star Alliance. And um, this is really like the catalyst for the house to kind of keep going. Uh, so it says play, choose one. So you have two options. You get to pick which of the two options you want to use. And it says to either use a friendly non-Star Alliance creature, which is very thematic as far as just that quick little house sheet, or return up to two friendly creatures and each upgrade attached to them to their owner's hands. Um, and that's really where the spice comes in with this card because you can, you know, obviously remove some of your opponent's creatures to get a little bit of a board clear. Uh, you can, you know, pull some of your Star Alliance creatures back. If you had upgrades on them that had Amber Pips, it's another way to get some cheap Amber Pips. Um, there's a lot of creatures with play effects this uh, set, so just so many different opportunities for Unity or Discord to really take off. And even something that's kind of overlooked a lot of times is just battle line positioning. Um, which I know David's going to talk about a card here in a little bit, but even just to kind of pull some creatures back and then kind of reorganize them in the battle line isn't the worst thing, um, especially with this set and kind of a, a feature of Key Forge we haven't had to utilize too, too much outside of like, you know, flank or not flank. Um, so yeah, just a really cool idea and uh, just really kind of gives that, uh, just that narrative for Star Alliance and what they're trying to do. And then I had two other... Uh, common or uncommon cards I want to talk about. So the first one is Together, which is going to be an action card, and it's uncommon. It says play. Uh, you may play a non-Star Alliance card. Then it says at the tide side, you may play another non-Star Alliance card. Um, so it's basically like phase shift times like 1.5. Uh, so assuming you have, you know, the tide is high. Um, worst case scenario, it's a phase shift. Best case scenario, uh, you get to play two cards. So the ability just to play your entire hand is very real with Together. Um, and so, yeah, just that additional house cheating and cycle is just absolutely gets crazy. And the last one I want to talk about is uh, Teresa or T3R-35A. Um, it's a robot creature, three power. 
and says Teresa may be used as if it belonged to either of its neighbor's houses. And then it also can be played as an upgrade instead of a creature with the text, this creature may be used as if it belonged to either of its neighbor's houses. So again, just another fantastic creature card that can, um, yeah, just do that house cheating thing again. And especially if you have like a creature with, you know, a huge ability that is able just to really take over a game, Therese is able to kind of be, be able to use that, you know, over and over and over again, kind of like turning any card to like a Mac the knife almost. So there you go. That was pretty much my Star Alliance and kind of why I love them so much. Going to check in real quick with David, see if he's back. David. I'm here. Um, Bummer. Doesn't you, seem like. Can you? Oh, my Mike gosh. Really you can't bad. hear me again. Hold uh, the zone, I suppose. So or, that is the uh, the joy of fatherhood and trying to key forge, which I know a lot of players. All right. Jim. Hello, hello. Jim. All right. You good? Yeah, I just uh, crushed star lines, bragged about I, you as a dad. No, and, uh, I, I was there awesome. the whole time. I listened to everything, and I was responding to your stuff, and then you're like, again, oh, he's gone. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking. So everyone on the podcast will hear me talking, but you didn't, which is hilarious. Uh, Man, that is twice. Can we go for three times one Again, I, I, I did say at the beginning of the episode, our tagline, you never know what you're going to get. So... Two two disconnections in a in a toddler, um, pee time. I mean that's what I'm talking about. That's the quality podcast that everyone was looking for. Um, Absolutely. But also I blame Call of Discovery because they clearly did something to the internets to make sure that we got disconnected. I thought we had a quota of less than three Call of Discovery uh, shoutouts, but I think we're going for a full six tonight. Do you so call them a shoutout or a, you know a burning uh, a roast? Yeah. Roast sounds better. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay. Enough of this Star Alliance crap. Nobody cares about Star Alliance. It's all about the Untamed. Untamed is back, baby. Let me tell you. Uh, I have Untamed has been my favorite house since Coda during the during the, the glory days. And then it went from like one of the best houses in Coda and then AOA came out and it was like, wow, Untamed is just the worst. Because uh, <laughs> they were like, we're going to make the house identities like really clear and we're going to make untamed all about power counters. And then the power counters literally mean nothing because in a way it was like, you could be 28 power and reap for one. Yay. Um, so they did a lot of things to make power counters great again. And, uh, I'm not going to talk specifically about powder counters. I'm just going to talk about some cards, uh, that I, um, enjoy. The first of all, which Jim alluded to, is infighting. You love infighting, don't you, Jim? It's such a good but weird and makes my brain hurt card. But go ahead with it. Yes. Uh, it's sort of like Savage Clash of the old set where it's like, oh, how does this work? Uh, but in <laughs> infighting, each creature deals damage equal to its power to its right neighbor. Um so I love this card. One, you're not getting any chains. So it could be all, it could be a whole, you know, board wipe minus one uh you know for no chains or you could at least get rid of some pesky guys um and uh again mo a lot of my untamed de decks have like multiples of these like it's just it's very nice uh it's very very good and if you go into a game and haphazardly throw your creatures out there like i am apt to do uh <laughs> 
you could get absolutely wrecked uh, by a good, uh, well-timed infighting. Um, in fact, I was going to save this for later, but I'm just going to share this this fun moment uh, now. Uh, in that you and I were playing a game last night. We are we were testing for ABR. We're doing a it's like a team week where the of your over your with your ten players, your SAS cap is six hundred and fifty. So you're looking at average of sixty five per player. So we were throwing a couple of like low sixty decks at each other, and uh, and you actually played the Trojan Sarpod, like I actually did. played it, not discarded it. Like you you gave it to me. I said, here you go, buddy. Just you know wreck my world with it uh and it sat there it sat there for a good five turns because um you had maelstromed or something like right before it so i knew you had a billion creatures coming up and i had to wait um but finally it did come time i had i was on my i had two keys and a some amber and uh i had infighting in my archives <laughs> and so uh trojan sarpod uh i'll let me read it off for the uh the internet world um who doesn't know this uh it is trojan sarpod enters play under your opponent's control it has omni uh gain three your opponent reveals their hand puts each creature from it into play ready then refills their hand as if it were their draw cards step uh destroy trojan sarpod um so you gave it to me and gave so i could pop it at any time to give th get three amber and then uh and then reveal um, you know your hand and put all your creatures into play which normally would be like oh man you got all these free creatures like what a deal um, except I had infighting sitting up and uh, because I got to place all your creatures <laughs> I basically just placed them exactly where they need to go so that they all died except one and it was just a <laughs> hilarious moment of this is why Char Trojan Starpod is just a terrible card I've got a deck with two of them uh, and mm. it's, it makes me sad just like the Tawiki <laughs> Kraken. Um, so anyways, infighting. Great card. Uh, the next one is Deepwater Gruen. It's the new Dust Pixie, except if the tide is low, your opponent gets uh, an Amber, and uh, it's five power, which five power is nothing to sleep on, um, especially when you got cards like Waste Knot and uh, whatever the Untamed Relic is that... If you have power 20 creatures, you get Good four amber. Primal Relic. Yeah, is it Primal Relic? Is that what it's called? I believe so. Um, so, I mean, that, so Untamed's got some beefy dudes uh, swinging in, doing really powerful things. So this is just great. Beach Day is a card where you can return a card, uh, creature to an opponent's hand and play it out again. So you can you can loop it. Um, and you you there's some other like recursion stuff like Witch of the Dawn. Uh, Ritual of Life, which I'll talk about in a second. A lot of like easy ways to abuse this with Chelonia and whatever. I have a deck with three Chelonia and three Deepwater Gruen, and it is the absolute dream, except the rest of the deck is terrible. The Untamed is like insane, and the rest of the deck is terrible, and whatever. <laughs> uh, so like him, I think he's key. And then uh, I could easily go with Chelonia, obviously, but I'm going to go with Molly Mock um, because... I feel like Molly Mock is uh, really strong with a couple of um, small exceptions. But Molly Mock is a five-power creature that has a simple effect of play, destroy an artifact. So um, uh, so this guy comes in wrecking your opponent's artifacts and 
But the problem is it's not a May. So if you have artifacts out and they your opponent does not, Molly Mock will destroy your own, which is a little bit of a drawback. But most of the time, your opponent has artifacts that you can eat up and take care of and all that as well. Um, again, another game Jim and I were playing. You were playing that deck with two Miasma Bombs, and I had Molly Mock and lots of ways to recur it. And so I just was, like, eating up the Miasma Bombs like they were goldfish, you know? Like, let's just go to town and eat this and thing. Everyone knows Molly Mocks love goldfish, so yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Uh, so just love that. And again, five power. So not only does it come with a good play effect, but it can wreck some stuff. Um, and I, th- I feel like anything over four is usually, like, pretty pretty dang strong when you talk about power. So, um, so love that. Um, those are my three commons, okay? And I'm just going to give a quick, just little small shout out to an artifact that I totally uh, wrote off uh, when I was looking at cards before um, this set came out. But it's it's a rare artifact called Ritual of Life. It has an action. It says, destroy a friendly creature. If you do, return a different creature from your discard pile to your hand. Um so at first I'm like, well, this isn't this. Like, there's no, there's not a bunch of destroy triggers that I want to like pull off like to do it. But there's lots of different things you can do. This one, it doesn't say untamed creature, so you could destroy any one of your friendly creatures that you don't need to get another uh, untamed guy out, like a Witch of the Dawn. So you play out Witch of the Dawn, which allows you to get another creature from discard pile to play it out and sort of try to ramp that way. Um, you can uh, destroy a key frog, you know, after you reap and get to six and get that free key. Um, uh, you can, in a pinch, you need to raise your opponent's uh, amber cost. You can destroy, play your molly mock, destroy one of their artifacts, and then kill the molly mock with, uh, with ritual life and get uh, your mookling out so that their keys cost plus two and they can't forge on that last time. Um, I was playing a game against this, uh, and they kept recurring this muckling, and I just I, I I would kill it, but it's like they just immediately get it back every and like I just I we were in this weird situation where like nothing I could do to get above eight amber and uh <laughs> and the I don't know it was just really funny against Marcus, but um <laughs> but this was like one of those I'm like dang like I actually really love this because because of all the play effects like Witch of the Dawn, Molly Mock, Deepwater Gruen, uh, if you have Chelonia out, you're getting amber by playing creatures out. Um, just yeah it's just great it is a rare so you won't see it too much but don't sleep on it because it's great i like it i like it yeah i remember when it first came out i was like oh my gosh untamed is going to be terrible to set uh worst worst house of all time and you were like just wait yeah and i think you rocked me the first game we played of dark tidings with untamed and just gave that like disapproving i told you so look at me and i was like you're right i'm sorry you're right (laughs) (laughs) i've been waiting for this moment i know what to look for i know it was one of those like you were so satisfied so like oh fine i'm I'm happy for you it's the it's (laughs) the first time i was like satisfied with untamed since worlds collide when i uh opened that quadruple harmonia deck and yes. with key charge and uh post pixies and mab the mad and mustic mermook and that was just so much fun i love i love playing that in triads and stuff like people <laughs> just yeah and, and obsidian forge i mean it's it's so much fun it's it's probably it's up there in my top three decks for sure but so good as you can tell like we've had tons of fun with dark tidings so far i think we're gonna do 
one more quick, you know, story time before we kind of get into some more of the competitive side of Keyforge. But um, yeah, just what's what's been your favorite play so far or game that you've had of uh, Dark Tidings and uh, yeah. yeah, just something that you're just like really excited about. Yeah, so again, we're playing in this ABR league and um, we're on a team with a bunch of great guys and and girls and uh, they're, every week there's a different featured match because you got 10 people on your team and so if you finish five and five like it would be a draw but there's a featured match that uh if there if it is a draw it's decided by the feature match so um i put down on my original thing that my favorite format is sealed which is absolutely true i love sealed i love trying to figure out the lines of play and just kind of the funny things that happen in sealed play i know a lot of people don't like it i love it and i happen to be the feature match of uh of sealed and it was a little different sealed because we got uh what was it 20 decks and then we mm-hmm. of, of our 10 players we got to choose like which deck we wanted to play of the 20 sealed decks that we got and the deck that i chose uh had a two copies of the ruins of arcanus in it um which is a logos artifact that gives you a pip when you play it and it says play put four amber on ruins of arcanus from the common supply archive a card after a player plays their sixth card in a turn if ruins of arcanus is ready move each amber from ruins of arcanus to that player's pool um (laughs) so i play this deck and uh jim you were watching this game Uh, i'm playing my opponent i get this out i think it was like my very first play of the game i just played it out like turn one or something like that um was able to trigger it on was it turn two or three I think it was the very next turn you triggered. I, I it. think it was. I think I archived shadows and I had uh, opened up more shadows or something. I don't know. So I triggered Ruins of Arcanus on my turn two, um, and uh, so got my four amber. Played the second one out in turn three. Pulled that off in turn five. <laughs> so by turn five, I had done double Ruins of Arcanus, which with the amber you get for playing the artifact is a net worth of like five amber each. And I won the game on turn six. Like, it was just, like, I just sat there laughing, like, this would never happen again. And uh, the RNG gods uh, smiled on me that day. But uh, the deck did have, like, Theory of Conjecture or and all the, like, Logos archiving stuff. It was, like, a 70 SAS, but it was, like, super solid synergy and, like, the archiving and... Um, really satisfying like absolutely and oh and then i won the game on a spore gorger key frog uh insanity uh like play spore gorger is an untamed creature with four power reap gives spore gorger a plus one power counter you may remove each plus one power counter from spore gorger for each counter remove this way deal one to each other creature um so somehow it already had one uh power counter so i was able to like witch of the dawn back a key frog and then uh reap a bunch and kill the key frog for my key three on turn six and it was just it was one of those happy key forge games where you're just like man i love this game (laughs) (laughs) so good yep i know for me um it wasn't done in a competitive format but back to good old star alliance it's very clear would you shut up about star oh i will rave about it for a long long time um, but actually, yeah, so I, I bought a couple boxes of Dark Tidings, and one of the first decks I opened 
Um, at first, it was like this crazy logos package where it had like triple eddy, double phase shift, double theory or conjecture. I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Um, but what I failed to see was this sweet little combo in Star Alliance. Uh, first one is United Action, uh, which you know is from Worlds Collide, but it's the action card that says Alpha, so you have to play it first. Um, for the remainder of your turn, you may play cards from any house for which you have a card in play, uh, but you cannot use cards this turn. Um, so if you have, you know, artifacts up of your other two houses, you can play your whole hand, including Star Alliance. Um, but this one also has a card called Together, which I talked about previously. Um, and so the, the United Action is a static effect. So if you play United Action first, then play Together, you can play one, you know, permanent of each of the other two houses and then proceed to play the rest of it. So the fact that it had, you know, Triple Eddy, Double Theory or Conjecture... Um, just so many ways to draw cards and archive cards. It was to the point where I could basically play my entire deck in a turn. And it was just not so much that it did amazing things. It's just I got to do so many things uh, that I absolutely love this deck. It's definitely like one or two cards short of just like hyper competitive. Like if it had a Data Forge, like good game. Um, if it had, you know, too much to protect or an effervescent principle or anything like that, kind of the same thing. But. Um, there's no, like, you know, huge swinging cards like there are in some of the other houses or other decks. Uh, but, yeah, just the ability to kind of play out every single thing that you have and just, like, really go all in on a play is just so exciting and fun to me. So that was definitely my favorite, like, as I'm learning, you know, this deck, just to, like, see, like, oh, my gosh, I can do so much. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that one's definitely been my favorite play experience. Even if I haven't figured out how to or order this well, uh it doesn't matter because I get to do everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it's I know we well. talked a little bit about uh, some, some of the competitive things. Definitely wanted to hit more on kind of ADR and kind of some of your thoughts on, uh, yeah, just the league and what are, uh, you know, yeah. how'd your experience been so far? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've definitely been playing a lot of Keyforge. Uh, I try to tell people, like, who ask I love getting on TCO and I'm, I'll play like random people. They're like, Hey, love the podcast. And I'm like, that's really kind. Cause we've released like one episode in the last four months. Um, so, um, but the reality is like, we do play a lot of Keyforge. We don't always record. Uh, I think every content creator has faced this dilemma of sometimes like you just want to play games and you don't want to have to like stop playing games to talk about it. Um, sure. so I'm really grateful for all the Keyforge content creators who, are absolutely pulling their weight out there. Uh, Mortavas, Tabletop Royale, um, absolutely killing it. Um, Cole of the Week is a great YouTube channel that I love on YouTube. Uh, they do a lot of good stuff. They should have more followers on there. Um, there was a uh, there's a new podcast, Nordic Keyforge League. They just started releasing stuff. Captain's Compod. Um, Crystal Hive. I'm trying to think of like everybody, like the Swindle leaderboard. I, I uh, and we'll get into like Archon's corner stuff because they're doing a they're doing crazy amount of stuff. But uh, help from future self. Uh, Average shows Keyforge League. Um, gosh, I mean, like I uh, I really don't want to forget anybody, but um, <laughs> I absolutely love all these content creators who are like just making Keyforge so fun um, and have for, you know, the whole pandemic, just, I don't know, uh, doing, doing great, great work. Um, 
and well, so I can just play games and listen to great podcasts while I, uh, ex- it, while I mow the lawn. Um, I did. Hey, uh, Jim. Side note: Did you notice I did not say Call of Discovery? I just want to make sure that was really abundantly clear. Sure, sure, sure. I was wondering, like, okay, I think you might have forgot coat, which of course we'll give them a shout out, like proper. But yeah, that Call of Discovery, like, don't listen to them, guys. Just if you love <laughs> Keyforge. Don't do it. It's, it's like it's like they, they record so many episodes that they'll throw in right. like uh, a roast every once in a while. We it. record one in four months, so we got to do it like eight times in one podcast. <laughs> um, KFPL obviously doing great stuff, creating lots of content. Um, yeah, yeah, love love all these people. Um, but uh, yeah, so we mentioned ABR. Um, the ABR league is this is the first time I do it. I think it's the season four, or whatever. Um, and this might be the most fun I've, pl- I've had playing Keyforge um, since the game started. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the formats. I love the team format of like 10 random people being thrown together with a team captain. And every week you're talking and uh, having camaraderie around choosing decks. And like we've had that like you, me and Kevin or you, me and Daniel or, uh, you know, just other people who have played Keyforge with us. Um, but with 10, 10 people like cheering each other on and hopping each other's games and uh, trying to pull off the team win and, and sharing each other's deck collections to try to find the best decks for things. Like, um, it's just been so much fun. So huge shout out to, uh, those guys and all the team captains from all different, uh, parts of the world, you know, uh, making it possible. But, uh, the huge purple niffles is our team name. And, um, we may not be in first place right now, but don't, don't sleep on us. We're, you know, first place in your hearts though. That's right. Um, so uh, I don't know. That's just been fun. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I totally agree with you. The camaraderie part of it is probably my favorite. So yeah, we're on a team of you know ten players, and uh, yeah, just to get to you know chat about Keyforge with other people and kind of just hear some unique perspectives as well as really intense games of Keyforge. I mean, a lot of times we're playing with some of the you know what's considered to be some of the top decks and against some of the most competitive players. So I feel like, yeah, since Shadow Worlds, this is probably the most competitive I've felt while playing Keyforge in quite some time. So just to kind of have that, you know, competitiveness, but also just the camaraderie and um, just the joy of Keyforge of, you know, we're, we're really just having fun out there and um, getting to share ideas and, you know, figure out, you know, what decks do we own that could, you know, really uh, be optimal for like the different strategies. So yeah, like one week we'll go from, you know, you know, chain net deck to uh, adaptive another week. And then, you know, we have Dark Tidings coming up. So, you know, we're frantically learning all the Dark Tidings combos to figure out what, what we have that would be solid here. And yeah, it's it's absolutely been a blast. So definitely uh, gotten more excited, I think, for competitive Keyforge through this league, which has been a really cool thing. Heck yeah. What uh, What's your personal record in ABR right now? Uh, so me personally, I'm two and three. Um, just had a uh, very rough uh, best of three with that chain net deck idea. So essentially, you can pick any deck that's available on decks of Keyforge, and uh, the chain part of it is if somebody else picked that deck, you start the game with uh, some chains. So it's kind of this like you want to pick the best best deck possible, but also if everybody were to pick it, um, it would hurt you quite a bit to try to play it. So. Um, yeah, took a loss there, but you know, two and three, Hey, I'll take it. Uh, I've got a couple really fun wins and all my matches have felt close, even if the games maybe didn't seem that way. Um, 
yeah, it was just, it was always felt kind of like I was one or two turns away, even in the losses. So what about yourself? Uh, so I'm three and two. I won on Thief Week, Triad Week, and Sealed Week, and then I lost on Adaptive and Chain Net Deck Week. So, um, so I'm on an O two O two uh, slump here. Um, <laughs> so we got the Sascap Week. Uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, and uh, took a took a lower Sas deck to try to leave room for other people. So noble uh, to get some more. I know I'm like the most humblest noblest uh, Keyforge player alive. Um, (laughs) I hope people hear the sarcasm in that, but I realize, uh, non-native English speakers might not catch that humor, but I am kidding. So (laughs) just for the record, um, but anyways, yeah, having fun. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, I know you're also in another league right now. You want to give that one a quick shout out to you? Yeah. So, uh, this is a little bit less known one, but it's the casual loop, uh, league. And it's basically run as um, it's a league, but it's more like a four week tournament where you play one game a week and it's always a 75 SAS cap. And then it's kind of like a, a league and tournament series that's building on itself where every time a league is won by someone that deck is banned from all future events and leagues so right now there's not too much band, but like over time I can see that really building. Um, and then when, when uh, it's uh, how do I describe this? When it's after at the end of a league, the uh, basically three cards are banned from uh, from everything that happened. So it started from the following: Heart of the Forest, Martian Generosity were banned, and then uh, the winner of the uh, first league gets to uh, ban a card. So Quixelstone was banned. And then uh, the the crowd vote crowd gets to vote on three cards uh, from the winning deck that also get banned. So you can't even play a deck with one of these cards. Curiosaurus, Book of Malfaction, Lights Out, all those cards were in the winning deck. Huh. Um, so every time there's a league finish or a tournament finish, more cards get banned, decks get banned. So like... Again, right now it's pretty open. Like you've got a lot of options, but I can see like over time this building to a point where like, oh, you got to get real like creative and finding a deck that can win, and you might see something pop out that uh, you'd never look. Like I, I love these leagues and and uh, and tournaments that make you dig into your collection and play things that normally you would never take to like a chain bound. You know, I think that's one of the unique things that COVID gave us as a community is a chance to. Uh, do different formats like SAS cap events, like regardless of your opinion on SAS, uh, it, it provides opportunities to do things that you can't do without it. So, um, uh, so I, I've loved just the, uh, like we did the coat, uh, tournament that had the, the SAS, uh, escalation where it, re- uh, went up by two each week. So it started at like 58 and it kept going up all season. That was really fun. Cause I had to like, look at these old AOA decks and stuff that I had that, plague rack decks that i'm like well this might win at this level you know <laughs> um so anyways so right now in this league i'm two and one with a new dark tidings deck i brought so i probably won't win because uh, i think the winner will go undefeated but um uh, uh but we'll see so it's really fun there's all, only like 20 people in this league so if you don't like the like larger events like it's a good one for you to jump into um and uh it's been really good so um, other, 
other KeyForge endeavors. I I recently taught four co coworkers how to forge keys, so that was fun. Forging on the job. Love to hear it. That's right. Because if we just yeah. all teach all of our coworkers to play KeyForge, the game will literally never die, guys. So um, I did get uh, someone tweeted back because I tweeted that, and they were like, they've been working remotely since before COVID. So they're like, what are coworkers? Like, it was <laughs> like, yeah, that's a thing. Um, but, uh, Amazing. but it was fun. So gave them some nice decks. I think you donated some decks uh, that they took with them and, yeah, that's um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's that was real fun. Um, yeah. Uh, la last but not least, on the uh, competitive land, I I want to give a shout out. Um, you know, obviously we haven't had in person events really. I mean, some people have, but for the most part, we haven't had a lot of like big events. So we um. Uh. So uh, Archon's Corner is working together with help from Future Self. Um to put on an event called Keyforge Live. It's uh, a Vault Tour level, not except without any official Vault Tour language or support, uh, July 23rd through 25th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right next to the airport. Um, three different events with, I think, $3,700 worth of prizes over, like in cash, like over the three events. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. It sounds really awesome. Uh, we may be doing something else to help promote it, but uh, if you're at all, you know, interested in real life keyforge and it feels safe to you and your situation, man, book book a ticket. Go go play some keyforge. There's gonna be some really fun uh, stuff you can check out. Uh, you can go to their website keyforgelive.arconscorner.com and uh, learn all about it. There's three deck survival, sealed mass mutation, and then uh, team event. That's gonna be really fun. So I am hoping to go i am am and calling in all the potential father's day uh gifts from my wife to try to make this a uh possibility we'll we'll see i'm, I'm hoping no guarantees but i'm i'm hoping to go likewise likewise and yeah i think yeah, yeah just playing live key forge again um just in that competitive standpoint and two i mean the guys from archon's corner they've been doing so much for the community i, I definitely trust them to put on just an incredible event um so yeah like you said as long as you feel like it's safe and uh you feel all right with it you know would love to see it be a really great turnout um yeah just get back into some in-person competitive key forge again yep and you have to um Hey, do you remember when you went to that vault tour in uh, in Washington D.C. when AOA came out and you were three and one and you know had a chance to win it all and then you dropped out to go eat chicken wings? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, I sure do. So I do need to redeem myself since the last time that I've played competitive <laughs> Key Forge was uh, I was thwarted by Buffalo Wild Wings. So um, Buffalo Wild Wings, if y'all are listening and want to sponsor me, I'll be shameless about it. Um, <laughs> But if that's not an option, I should be solid to, you know, stick it out for the whole tournament. So proud of you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hey, uh, la last discussion topic before we get into some of our uh, closing thoughts. <clears throat> King Potato. Um, so Opie, um, our sweet, beloved Opie, the, uh, the orange Gruen. So, you know, in the past, he's uh, he's been on, you know, the wild wormhole, being sucked into the wormhole. You know, we're very worried about him. He really was kind of the motivation for uh, the Wild Wormhole team and podcast. Um, but, you know, Wild Wormhole took a hiatus last set. 
Um, and it's not back here, but Opie is. And a sweet little card called Whirlpool, um, which Whirlpool is another amazing card. It's an unfathomable artifact with an amber pip that uh, says at the end of each player's turn, that player gives control of the creature on the right flank to their opponent and moves it to that player's left flank. So it's kind of like you're giving your opponent one of your creatures, and then on their turn they give it back, and it's just this beautiful little circle whirlpool motion going on. But uh, more concerning is now that Opie is in the whirlpool and not wild wormhole, are we now the wild whirlpool podcast, <laughs> or are we still wormholian? What are your thoughts? Um, that is a phenomenal question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will I will po- pose that back to the community. Actually, while you were talking about it, I, I started to think about like, what if both players had a had a whirlpool and there was double whirlpool oh. action happening? Oh, interesting. Would they be going in the same direction to form a super whirlpool, or would they almost combat each other? Uh, right wow. Flank to players, I think no, we... it would like double up. Like two creatures would go uh to the opposite side each turn, right? I would think so. Um, I think wild. we need to try. That. Yeah, I think the yeah. let's let's see if we can break TCO. <laughs> <laughs> I think the wild reversal needs to come back again. And, uh... There are five whirlpools on the table. What's happening? <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine the mind games of that? All right, guys, <laughs> we'll play the game and let you know how it goes if we survive the endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> I need to play this now. That's amazing. That's so good. But yeah, the community, let us know. Are we the Whirlpool podcast now, or are we just the Wormholians? Mm. Uh, so I just thought that was funny. Um, but I did kind of allude to this earlier. Uh, we're nearing the end of a podcast, which means uh, the one and only King Potato must make its triumphant return. Um, so for those of you guys who have not heard of King Potato before, um, essentially, you know, the deck algorithm that goes on, you know, chooses a random name. Uh, deck list, you know, card back, all of those things. And we here at the Wild Wormhole are convinced that by hearing the deck name alone, we can predict what those three houses are going to be. Um, and typically, you know, David picks the uh, the King Potato, you know, deck name, and somebody else guesses it. And uh, so far, when David picks the deck, nobody has gotten it perfectly right. You know, we've gotten two out of three several times, Never all three. However, the last time that I picked a deck for King Potato, how many houses did you guys write? Do you remember? All of them, baby. All three. It was like the biggest underdog story I have ever seen in my life. And uh, today, I thought it might be interesting to try to run that back to see if you can continue the magic. So, David, are you prepared for King Potato? Oh, I I was born ready. I I am the King Potato. I suppose that would make you King Potato since you're the first to guess all three. Yep. Um, so, I have a deck up uh, in beautiful fashion. Uh, this deck is a Dark Tidings deck uh, that was recommended to me by one only known as the Zach Armstrong. Um, oh, boy. Who we maybe oh. have talked about once or twice and uh, is a better adaptive player than you in Keyforge according to your one matchup. But he provided this deck. I thought it was pretty funny, and I think it just might stump you. Um, so, David, are you ready for this deck name? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Okay, and, of course, all listeners, make sure you play along. So, after I give the deck name, go ahead and try to guess what those three houses are going to be. Um, except Zach Armstrong. That would be cheating. You know the deck. Um, so, the deck is called 
it that is known as loose cannon, and loose cannon is in parentheses. So it's it that is known as loose cannon. It is a Dark mm. Tidings deck, um, so don't expect any Brabnar or Mars or Dis. Um, so yeah, just what are your thoughts mm. on a it that is known as loose cannon? Mm. You know, there aren't a lot of words that uh, guide me to uh, to answers in this one. So this one uh, might be a little tougher than normal. But loose cannon. We got to trace that loose cannon. So uh, immediately loose cannon makes me think of shadows, actually, because they've got stuff like uh, walk the plank and kerwallop and, and a lot of uh, cannon piratey type uh uh cards theme cards um so i'm gonna go with shadows i'm also gonna go with unfathomable because loose cannons you know cannons are shot from ships on the sea obviously uh so unfathomable uh and uh so we're gonna go shadows unfathomable and uh, loose cannon what what creatures would be known as like loose cannon um, probably Doctor Rockter because he seems a little uh he seems a little off his rocker. So I'm gonna go Logos, uh Shadows, and Unfathomable. Final answer. Final answer. Okay. Wow. That uh, that was some interesting logic. Um, if you can call it logic. Um, maybe some solid guesses. I don't know. Um, I felt like this was actually pretty obvious, all things considered. But oh boy, um, yeah, we'll just get right into it. So you said logos, shadows, and unfathomable. I think the order you had switched. So we'll go that route. Um, so it is shadows. See, told you. It is unfathomable. See, I told you. But this is David. I thought this was going to be the easiest part for you. I picked a deck for you, what? so naturally, it had to have Untamed. No, that was my second guess. Ugh. So it was Shadows, Unfathomable, and Untamed. It is a 68 sass deck. It has Loot or Pillage for that pirate theme is the first card on here. It even has the uh, Dark Discovery combo in here, um, which makes all the sense that our sweet friends from Call of Discovery gave us this deck as an option for our king potato so there you go man two out of three still really solid i'm proud of you that's great but uh man my gut was untamed because i was thinking of miley obi who does like all the crazy and raging and fighting Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. i'm looking at the deck now and it has two of them and and it has more fighting like it just i know it, it really was obvious i don't know how you missed that last one i think you got so confident on the first two you just you lost your mind a little bit. And the moment you said what creatures would be loose cannons, Dr. Varachter came to my mind. So I had a feeling you were going logos there. Mm. So, goodness. Well, if you want to go ahead and wrap us up, I think we yes. have uh, a couple more thoughts here. There you go. Well, people, we hope you learned something or we hope you uh, didn't learn anything from us because what, what do we know? But at the end of the day, never forget your flavor text. It doesn't matter what the cards actually say. Just read the flavor text. And uh, to close out today's show, we're finishing with uh, Youngest Bear's Evil Twin. Shout out to Untamed with the classic line from from the movie itself. Uh, 
Um, why can't I remember the name of the movie? Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and, of course, youngest Barry Evil Twin did star in that movie with the famous line, flavor text, show me the honey. Hmm. Get it, Jim? I think you might have remembered that line a little differently. Show but... me the honey. Show me the honey. Youngest Bear's evil twin. We're out. May all your wormholes be truly devastating. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>